0: You're listening to the Parenting with Understanding podcast, and today we are talking about parenting peacefully when sickness strikes.
1: I'm Rachel. And I'm Marcella, and you're listening to the Parenting with Understanding podcast.
0: We are parenting coaches who have helped millions of parents like you all over the world go from feeling isolated and hopeless, unable to break the cycle of permissive or punitive parenting, to feeling confident in parenthood and connected to their children's needs. Hi, Rachel. Hi, Marcella. I am so happy to be back. February was a very busy month for our family. We celebrate both my husband's birthday, my birthday, and our anniversary, plus Valentine's Day. So it's just a very busy month for us, but I'm very, very happy to be back.
1: I'm very excited that you're back, and I cannot wait to tackle this episode because I'm in the weeds of it. Right now, Miguel is homesick He has a fever. Yesterday, I had both of them home. And it was very challenging still having to work from home because I work from home and parent them. And I don't have a babysitter. Yeah. So I cannot wait to hear your thoughts. (laughs) I may need a little little help and tips on how to balance out. parenting sick kids when I still have to work from
0: home absolutely we actually just came out of what was probably I think it was over a month of Peyton having cold symptoms and we essentially found out that it was allergies rather than an actual sickness we think that maybe a virus was was intermingled in there somewhere because Jason and I both got whatever she was dealing with too for a little bit um but Yeah, this is this is a really good topic to tackle, especially this time of year. And um, yeah, I'm happy to share any of my my own personal experience and tips that I have. And I'm excited to hear yours as well.
1: Okay, so the way that I've been trying to juggle everything is by communicating tightly with Brian. Um, Brian, yesterday he stayed home. Because I had, uh, March cohorts of the Parenting with Understanding program, the first meeting in the morning for 90 minutes. And I knew it was a time that I could not work and watch them. Many times I can't do both. Yeah. Matter of fact, right now I'm doing that. And I know I can't handle it because if Miguel comes and get uh, to get me, we can edit that part and it's going to be okay. But when it comes to okay, I need to do a coaching session with several parents and I cannot. I'm hundred percent not able to. So Brian stay home for for those two hours. And that's how we've been doing it. Like yeah. by tag teaming. Um now if if the listeners don't have that option, what would you recommend? Like if somebody has to work from home and they don't have the option of having the the partner, their spouse to stay home as well and kind of tag team, what would you recommend in that case?
0: Yeah, you know, honestly, I, I think that that's where you need to call in and focus on your child. Just, I mean, even if you're working from home in a typical job, if your children are sick, you're going to take that day to stay home with them. Um, because you can't take them to work with you. So it's kind of a similar situation where, you know, if you are at home working from home and you don't have help or you can't get someone over to, to help you watch the kids, then sometimes you have to cancel those important meetings. I've done it myself where I didn't have somebody to help with my daughter and she was sick and I had important meetings. Those had to wait. And it, it's hard. It's hard to have to make that decision, but I, I would personally recommend prioritizing your children
1: yeah that's true
0: if i didn't have
1: brian's help i would have had to reschedule the coaching session as as
0: hard as that would have been
1: because it was the first one for that cohort so
0: let's talk about when we are the ones that are sick though it's easy i think easier at least in in my experience When the child is sick and I feel good, I can move into that peaceful, calm energy. But whenever I'm the one that doesn't feel good and my child is the one that feels totally normal and is still very needy, very clingy, very much like, you know, in my face or, you know, I I tend to be kind of like claustrophobic almost whenever I'm sick where I don't want to be touched. And that's very not typical so my daughter is still you know wanting all of that physical touch that she usually gets and I'm when I'm sick I'm very much like hands off so what would your advice be to parents and what is your experience with that how do you feel when you're the one that's sick and your children are feeling great and expecting you to show up at 100% like you typically do
1: so I just had a memory the twins were maybe 10 months old um, they were in, on the high chair. I was feeding them breakfast and I started feeling really sick in my stomach. Really, really sick. I wanted to throw up and I was holding it and I was like, oh, I, I was alone with them. Brian was at work. It was just me and I couldn't handle it anymore. And I remember, <laughs> I still remember that time. I went to the bathroom. I threw up. And I came back and I kept feeding them breakfast, feeling terrible, like sweating and because they they needed to eat and they couldn't feed them, themselves yet. Oh, it was so tough. Um, yeah, so number one, I, I want to say it is not easy <laughs> because when you are physically sick, when you're sick in your body, usually your your emotions follow it. You feel down, you feel sad then you feel uh you may feel a little anxious thinking like my kids still depend on me and I'm not 100%. So if you feel that way right now, I hear you. Um I empathize with that and I know that it is hard. It is not easy. I want to acknowledge that. Yeah. Number 2, at the same time, at the same time what has helped me is, especially the last two weeks that I've been sick, when sometimes I start getting in, I don't know, but when I don't feel well, if I'm not aware or able to have a coherent narrative of what's really happening in me, I tend to start getting panicky.
0: Yes. Start,
1: I tend to start getting like, I feeling out of control. And um, I remember uh, this—the last two weeks. What has helped me when I start getting in that little funk is reminding myself that that it is not I'm not pow- I'm not powerful or um, I don't have what it takes to be a mom. Or it's that I'm um, my body is going through something. So it's not about me not having what it takes to be a mom. It's about my body telling me that I need to take it a little slower and to rest. Um, and then that has allowed me to reset my expectations about about the things that I normally do with the twins. Like we go to jujitsu, we come back, we we do activities in the backyard, we, we go for a walk. And when you're sick, you cannot do all that. Right. And you might not be able to cook, so it's okay. To order McDonald's for that day. Yeah.
0: yeah.
1: I've been ordering McDonald's the last two weeks and I, I, I kind of feel guilty right now. But, you know, thinking about it, that, that was the best I could considering that I was not feeling well. I had a fever. I was not cooking. So, if if the food on the table today was a McDonald's
0: chicken nuggets or Papa Murphy's pizza,
1: it's okay.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Oh my gosh. I'm sitting here thinking about like how much expectations moms specifically put on themselves to get all of the things done around the house. And maybe you are are listening to this and you're thinking, I'm the type of person that I can't relax until everything is clean and put away. And when you're sick, you don't feel like doing those things. And I, I think that a lot of times that is Tied back to again, you mentioned coherent narratives. It's those childhood experiences. Speaking of sick kiddos, there's a there's a sick kiddo in the background. Yeah. Um, you know, the coherent narratives are are those those memories that are tied from childhood to the present that are affecting how we show up in a moment. And I, I think that it's so important for as parents i i think that mostly it would be moms that would deal with this but i do think that it's possible we've got some stay-at-home dads that could be listening as well that also feel the need to take care of all of the the tasks around the house and when you're sick you have to be able to give yourself the grace to go on like um what would the, what would the term be? It's almost like autopilot. Like you just need to go on autopilot for a little bit and not worry about pushing all the buttons and changing all the gears and like, just make it through the day because the sickness will, will pass, you know? Um, But it's, we have to get into that frame of mind and create the narrative in our minds of this is temporary and it is going to pass I can get to those things when I am at my full capacity, and right now I'm not, and that's okay. I grew up with a mom who
1: suffers from chronic illness all the way growing up. and She still suffers from from it. She has rheumatoid arthritis. And then I remember growing up many times, I remember seeing her in the kitchen crying because she couldn't take her elbow, like lift up her elbow off uh, her body. And it was her right hand and she's right-handed. And I remember seeing her kind of trying to do all the things in the kitchen and taking care of us with her elbow stick to, to her body. Um, and it was not easy uh, to see that. And I remember her telling me, I'm doing the best I can. Um, I know that you see your friends with moms who can do more. And I, and I know that you see moms who are able to do more for their kids. Because at a very young age, I had to learn to dress myself and, and do my hair and, and do a lot of things for myself and help my brother who has Down syndrome as well because her hands were not working her hands where she couldn't move her hands so if you are a mom who may not be able to to use your body the way that older parents if you're a parent who is not able to use your body the way that others can I want to tell you as well and acknowledge you and say that you are doing the best you can and your children don't think that you're failing them. I remember seeing my mom as a superhero. She couldn't do all the things she wanted to do for me or she could do. Uh, I didn't have the the best, well, hairstyle <laughs> in my classroom. And even though that, I, I saw my mom as, wow, like despite her pain, despite her her limitations, she's trying hard. And I always saw her that way. So if you feel like you're failing because you cannot move your body the same way other parents can do, and if your children may need to do things for themselves that other children are not doing, let's just say you see the other parents with the little girls with the with really cute braids and and hairstyles, and then you're not able to, to have that for your child. They are not seeing you like a failure. They're seeing you like a superhero because they see the effort that it takes for you to be able to do the things that you can do for them.
0: That's so powerful. So powerful and so encouraging, I'm sure, to so many people. Because there are people who deal with chronic illness and uh, chronic ailments, and you know things that they they can't do for their children. We coach moms that have gone through things like this as well. And again, it's just so important to give yourself so much grace. And I think it's really, really helpful for people to hear your perspective as the child of a mother um, that was in those shoes. I think that's that's really encouraging. So. One thing that that I'm curious about for you is if sickness has ever triggered any trauma for you. I know for me, it certainly has. And um, when Peyton first got sick, I remember the very first time she was throwing up and it was, she threw up for, I think that it was every 10 to 15 minutes for four hours. And she was right around two years old. So she couldn't really talk very well by the end of it she couldn't even like stand her body up anymore and it was just like I was so nervous and just so 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 scared you know so I'm curious if you've ever dealt with anything like that and what your advice would be Hmm.
1: okay so that was two months ago we were in the playground this is not like a sickness but it was an injury We were in the playground, Um, Miguel fell from very high up on the playground and he fell forward. He fell on his face. And I remember when I picked him up, his face was covered in blood, like covered. I couldn't even see his eyes. That was the the most scary time in my entire life. Uh, When I picked him up, he kind of like passed out for maybe three seconds and he came back in. So yes, I feel like I got traumatized uh, from that time. Um, I remember my husband's, the way that he responded was so, so helpful because I grew up with an anxious insecure attachment because anxious attachment is built when when there are inconsistent responses, um this was not my parents' fault. It was just the way that that my mom's chronic illness and having to raise a child with chronic illness because my 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 brother has Down syndrome, what resulted from that was that she was able to show up sometimes, but many other times she was not able to show up emotionally for me. So it it created that, that anxious attachment. So what happens when somebody has this anxious attachment? When they see their children in pain, they're flooded with big emotions. And I remember I was flooded with big emotions. And my husband, he has a secure attachment and then he handled the situation so calmly and so well, so reassuring for Miguel, for me. He he took him in his arms. We came quickly to the house. We washed his blood. We took him to the ER. They did brain scans and everything. It was more like the scared. Like it was more like the the blood was very uh, hard for me to see, but it, he was. It didn't create a major injury. That's what I'm trying to say.
0: Yeah.
1: Um, so if you are able to access safety in, that, in those moments of big stress, that's very soothing and reassuring for your children. Uh, I wasn't able to provide that psychological and emotional safety for my child at that moment. My husband was able to. And it helped my son so much. I was able to see his eyes going from from fear, pure fear and terror to back to, okay, I'm going to be okay. Things are going to work out. And me as well.
0: Yeah, I think for me, it was very similar in that I had to find my own inner calm first. And I had to like trust that she was going to be okay. Ultimately, that's what it boiled down to for me was this fear of losing her. And it was tied to loss in the past. We experienced a miscarriage with our first pregnancy. and Then it took us a long time to get pregnant with Peyton. And so, you know, she had gone almost two years with no sickness whatsoever. And then when she got sick and it was that bad, and it was like, I could not get her to stop throwing up. It was so scary, you know, and ultimately the fear was of losing her. And I had to get to the place where I could actually admit that to myself, you know, and say, okay, this is a fear. This is a genuine fear of losing my daughter because I've experienced loss in the past. Is her life in literal danger right now? Or is this just a tummy bug that her body is doing its thing and it's getting it out of there. And yeah, it's brutal right now. And yes, I need to make sure. And at this point in time, she was still nursing. So I was able to keep her hydrated with nursing when she would nurse. And, um, she was also eating solid foods, obviously at two years old. So we were able to feed her. if She was hungry. And it was only, it was about that four hour time span and it was in the middle of the night. So, um, you know, it was like the whole world for me, it felt like the whole world was shut down. I was all alone on this island all by myself. And it felt so scary. And so I just mom to mom and parent to parent, I would tell you if you get in those situations, or if you find yourself in those situations, Number one, I would actually encourage you to get on social media and post something because you never know who's also up at that point in time. And just having access to the outside world, social media is difficult and dangerous in a lot of ways, and it can be so beautiful and so helpful in a lot of others. And this is one of those That I wish looking back, I would have actually gotten on social media at two or three in the morning and said, like, is anybody up? Can anybody can are there any moms that could encourage me because my daughter's been sick, and she's been throwing up and I feel so scared, you know, being able to really be vulnerable about that and actually open myself to encouragement rather than staying in that isolated place feeling so alone. And then also just knowing that it It's not like we have access to doctors who can help her and we have, you know, an incredible medical field of experts that know how to help children stay alive, you know? So if if the literal fear is of losing her, there are a lot of helpful resources out there. I just have to reach out to those. Mm -hmm. So to
1: wrap up, a lot of the times our fear and our big emotions when our children are sick or when we are sick wraps up to our attachment style, the way that we perceive the world, is it's huge. In the Parenting with Understanding program, we help parents understand their attachment style and earn their attachment style. And Rachel as well with her private clients as well, because that's how we show up in any given moment, especially in times of stress and sickness, if we have secure attachment with ourselves, no matter how hard things look, we're able to access that inner safety and provide it for our children. And at the same time, our past experiences shape the way that we see our new experiences, as Rachel expressed, that she lost the child, and then that past experience, believe it or not, was affecting her present experience. And when she was able to create that coherent narrative of this is why I'm feeling this way, not because my daughter is in actual danger, but because I lost the child and I fear of losing her, then that brought a level of comfort to her. So if you're having those big emotions right now, I encourage you to, to do a soul search and to, to see those big emotions, are they really coming from, from because your child is in real danger and then there is no way to get out from this or I'm in real danger or is it because it comes from the way your attachment style, the way that you see the world or you're fearful based on past experiences. Access your your inner safety. Because when children feel sick, many times they don't feel safe. And if they see you feeling safe in your body, then they start feeling comfort and safety. And then one thing that you can do to to access that comfort is accessing tools that can help you.
0: And Rachel has a great one. You wanna tell them about it? Yeah, I would love to. I I created two kits, one for adults and one for children that is meant to help us calm down. And the thing that makes this, both kits unique is that it explores root needs and it, it explores emotions, but then it goes beneath that. And a lot of calm down corners or calm down kits don't cover the basic needs that all of us have. And that for me was so important to not just label. I was able to to recognize, okay, I feel anxious. But whenever I went beneath that anxiety and explored what my root need was, I needed to know that my daughter was going to be safe. I needed to not feel isolated and alone. I needed to find inner safety in myself that is really where i was able to find more of my calm beyond that these kits both explore your nervous system zone so there's four nervous system zones and it breaks those down and then it talks through calm down helpers for children and for adults in the children's kit i created the the kit to be a visual aid because children are visual they can look at pictures and identify Feelings or needs easier whenever they see a picture that is attached to that. Um, I've done several video videos on my social media pages, so you can see those at the Considerate Mama on TikTok and Instagram. You can get these kits in eight and a half by eleven digital printables or in eighteen by twenty-four, and they're seven dollars for the smaller size and fourteen dollars for the larger size. And again, it's a digital download. Um, You download it, you print it off. You can laminate them if you want. That's what we did. And we put them on our wall in our dining room. And it is so helpful, such a game changer. And I've gotten a lot of great feedback from these. So if you feel like that would be a helpful resource for you and or your child, check the description of this video and we'll have the links there for you.
1: Or you can get it from Rachel's bio on TikTok and Instagram at The Considered Mama. Don't forget to follow HIC Parenting at Heimfeld Club on Instagram, on TikTok, on YouTube, and to subscribe to this podcast if you found this podcast episode valuable. I encourage you to leave a review and let us know how it can help you during this flu season (laughs) to parent your children peacefully. If you are an HIC cycle breaker, meaning that you have any of HIC Parenting's products, I encourage you to join our pride facebook group It's called hic cycle breaker pride facebook group and don't forget it only takes understanding to transform your parenting